born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. You ever heard of the United Nations? Uh, Nations? Well, the United Nations, at this point, they have no teeth. They got a loud bark, but no teeth. They can't enforce anything. They have no armies. They can't do nothing. And they try to get different nations to come together and try to have peace. They're the problem. But they can't solve anything because there's no wisdom there. So one of these days, some Superman's going to come on the scene. I had somebody mention the other night. I was listening to this woman, uh, Greta Van Sustern. And she's talking about, it's a shame what ISIS is doing. And that's just true. It's a shame. Somebody ought to do something about that. She says, all the nations need to come together and fight this. All the got to have some common denominator that draws people together. See, that would solve the problem if you only had a one world government. You know, it's going to make sense. It's going to be reasonable. Because then you can solve all these world problems on this globe that we live on. Well, that'll be interesting to see how that all comes about. But it says they will give their power. Down. What makes these nations do what they do? I explain a little bit this way. Now, you know that when John was caught up into heaven, in heaven he got a chance to see both sides of the issue. You see, he got to see the angelic world, and then he also got to see the human world. He saw it from a human perspective and a divine perspective. In heaven, he got to see the angels working behind the scenes. So as you go through the book of Revelation, you'll notice it's talking about in the angels, the angels, the angels, the angels. That's all the way through. Every chapter is about the angels. He is seeing how God uses his angels to accomplish his will. But the people upon the earth, they only see the consequences of things. They can't see what's causing it. And that's the same way it is today. God has angels that are working, but you can't see it, and you just think, that was just a coincidence. That's a strange coincidence. Yeah, right. Maybe it's not a coincidence. Maybe there's somebody doing something, a God working behind the scenes, and you'll get to heaven one of these days, and you'll find out how God has protected you in a miraculous way, and things that God allowed and things God did not allow for your benefit, and you don't have a clue about it. Anyway, I do believe in the providence of God. And so he says that this is going to happen. But now, why do they do this? Because, you see, God also 
has a plan. God can use the wickedness of man to accomplish his purpose. People that rebel against God, God is free to use them to whatever way he wants to. He can beat the tar out of them, and he can use them to accomplish things for him. But look what he says here down in verse 17. For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will, and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast, until the words of God shall be fulfilled. Now, God is able, because of the wickedness of man and the rebellion of man, because they would not believe the truth, God shall send them strong delusions that they would believe the lie, so that they would believe what the Antichrist said, because they would not believe the truth. So God is free to cause them to believe a lie. So they bring it upon themselves. So God gets his purpose accomplished. And so he goes through here and makes some mighty strong statements about the wisdom of God who knows and understands everything in advance. Just because we don't see God working in people's lives, you know, like with angels behind the scene, we don't see that. We don't see how God may be working in your own personal life. But he may be working in your life in ways that you say, boy, that was a miracle. That was a miracle. That was a miracle. And God may be doing miraculous things in your life every day, and you're not even aware of it. Now go back to chapter 13. Back to chapter 13. Now remember this. When you read Daniel in chapter 7, it mentions these three beasts. And those three beasts... He mentions the bear and the lion and the leopard. Well, when he starts describing this last world power, and we know it's coming from the devil because it's the devil that's mentioned in chapter 12 that has the seven heads and the ten horns. And you'll notice what he says here in verse 2. And the beast, which I saw was like a leopard. Amazing. And his feet were the feet as a bear. That's interesting. His mouth as the mouth of a lion. That's interesting. These are the same three things that were descriptive of three beasts in the Old Testament. But the fourth beast was one that was diverse from all the beasts. In other words, is it possible that in the end time, all of these nations, these kingdoms, can become all revived? You hear about the revival of the Roman Empire. Well, maybe the other kingdoms are also revived. We just don't know. But it appears that when the Bible makes this statement in Daniel chapter 2 and verse 43 and 44, it says that the stone cut out of the mountain without hands is going to hit upon the feet, these ten toes, and destroy all of these kingdoms together. So um, maybe there's more than meets the eye. Isn't it something that one of the worst places we're having today is over there in uh, Iran and Iraq? Iran and Iraq, uh, do you happen to know where uh, Babylon was located? la da And the Medes and the Persians came from Persia, which was Iran. So here you have these same nations coming to power again today, and uh, it ain't over yet. And so there's a problem that we have sometime when we know the Scripture says in the book of Isaiah, trying to put it all together. That Babylon, when it's destroyed, that nobody will go there. Nobody will be there. And, uh, but the problem is, is 
We just had a war with Iraq. And there's people there. And there's even a Babylon over there. They were trying to rebuild Babylon again. But it's not totally wiped away like it appears that it should be. So maybe it's a future fulfillment that's going to happen in the future. And what we're seeing is the rebuilding of something that's supposed to be taking place in the tribulation period. And uh, maybe it'll all come together. But you know what I've learned? I'm sure God is going to figure it out. I don't believe he has a doubt in his mind what's really going to take place. Because, man, I can come up with so many different scenarios, trying to figure all the stuff out. But what we do know is this. There's going to be this beast come on the scene, right? And he's going to have a political agenda to rule the world, right? And he's going to have the nations turn against the believers and try to wipe them out. It's a move to wipe out all believers because Christ is coming back. And the Bible says that they prevail against the saints back there in the book of Daniel. So they prevail against the saints and they are the ones that will be ruling in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom. So that means that Christ is coming back. That stone that's cut out of the mountain without hands, he's coming back, and this is not the rapture, this is at the revelation of Christ. When he comes back in power and great glory, and he's going to set up his kingdom. But first of all, he has to destroy these nations, and that's why they're being drawn together into this great big old bowl. And so the battle of Armageddon that takes place there in the plains of Jezreel, which is, I, I've been there, I've walked there, I mean, it's, it's, it's huge, it's just like, it's just like the Bible says, I mean, it's got it all. It's like a great big old bowl. And God says he's going to send forth his angels, and they're going to go out, and they're going to, with sickles in their hands, and they're going to cut these grapevines. They're going to pull these grapevines from all over the world and pull them into this big old bowl. And then God's going to jump in there in this wine press and just stomp them with his feet until the blood is as high as a horse's bridle. Can you imagine what this is going to be like? You'll find that in chapter 19 of Revelation also, and part of chapter 18. But this is, this is incredible. But now look at something about this uh, beast. See in verse 2 of chapter 13? He says, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon, now who is the dragon? That's the devil. Gave him his power and his seat and great authority. Now, the devil is not the beast. So how do you know that? I made it up. No, but hold your place right here and just turn over there to chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. When Christ comes back in power and great glory, you'll find that in verse 11 down through there, where he comes back, and he really is the knight in shining armor. And so there's going to be this battle of Armageddon. So he asked in verse 17 for all the fowls of the air to come and just get your fill because there's enough food for everybody. And so, buddy, they, they come. And it says in verse 18 that they may eat the flesh of kings and of captains and mighty men and the flesh of horses and them that sat on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, mauled and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. 
So the Bible says, back there in the book of Daniel, that they are going to be standing against the prince of princes. They are going to be fighting against the Lord himself. Zechariah chapter 14 talks about, in that day when he comes, he will go and fight with his army, and he's coming to the earth, and his feet will touch upon the Mount of Olives, and it will cleave in the mist. So now we have, at the end of the tribulation period, the battle of Armageddon. It's showdown time. Make war against him. So in verse 20, and the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet. Now, when you go to chapter 16 of Revelation, you'll find that it talks about the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. That's the unholy trinity. Just like we have the holy trinity. We have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. This is the same thing you have here. So this is the unholy. And the beast was taken with him, the false prophet. These are the two that's mentioned in Revelation chapter 13. And these are the two beasts, one from the sea, one from the land. The one from the sea is the political, one from the land is the religious. So there's a head of the religious system and a head of the political system that takes place in the tribulation period. And so he says there, that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image, these both, two, these both, were cast alive into a lake of fire, burning with brimstone. So this is what happened at the end of the tribulation period. They are cast into the lake of fire. Then you see there in verse 1, And I saw an angel come down, of chapter 20, from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand, and he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him, a thousand years. So the beast and the false prophet is not the devil. He uses them, but he is the devil. But he has his man, and he gives him his power and his throne. And then it says that the devil is cast into a bottomless pit for one thousand years, so that he cannot deceive anybody anymore. And then you go all the way over there to verse 10. Look in verse 10 of chapter 20. And the devil that deceived them, was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. So the devil is separate from the other two, I believe. So there's the devil, and there's the beast, and there's the false prophet. And so these are all cast into the same place, except the two were cast in a thousand years at least before the devil was cast into hell. And people should not think that the devil is ruling hell. The devil is not ruling hell. And when you get down there, he's just going to ask you to shovel some more coal in there and make it hotter for you. He's not ruling. He's not in power. Wouldn't it be a shame to have to spend eternity in a lake of fire with the devil? Would that make your day? Now go back to Revelation chapter 13. Revelation 13. So he goes down through here and he tells about this beast. And then verse 4, And they worshiped the dragon which gave power unto the beast. And they worshiped the beast. Well, we know he doesn't take power until about the middle of the tribulation period. So 
it's probably going to be three and a half years. That's why you find in verse 5, And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. Power was given to him to continue forty and two months. How long is forty and two months? Why, it just happens to be three and a half years. This is what we call the Great Tribulation. The whole thing is seven-year tribulation, but the Great Tribulation, the last part of it. And so, great things, great power, people are deceived, all kind of wickedness going on. It is the wrath of the Lamb, and the wrath, it also says, of God. And so there's the wrath of Satan. Because in the last part of chapter 12 of the book of Revelation, it talks about, Woe unto the inhabitants of the earth, for Satan is cast out, for he knoweth that he hath but a, what? Short time. So the devil is going to be cast out, and he's got a short time, and he's got three and a half years to do all of the damage he can do, and buddy does he do it. So this is what's coming. Now look in verse 11. So, verse 1 is the beast of the political system. And chapter 13 and verse 11, And I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, spake as a dragon. In other words, the devil is behind both of them, and he causes both to work together. So the head of the religious system seeks to get people to worship the beast. You see, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to get us to worship Christ. Everything is a copycat. Christ's ministry was three and a half years. His three and a half years. He had a wound by the head, but he did live. Whether he was killed and came back to life, it's not really that clear, but there's a possibility he could have died and come back to life. Or he had a, a deadly wound, a mortal wound, but didn't die for some reason. But the Bible makes this statement. In verse 14, and deceived them that dwelt on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. Now he had a wound, but he lived. But did he die? Well, there's a question there, but it really doesn't bother me at all. Now the last part of verse 12 says that he had a deadly wound. So it has to be something miraculous, and the world wanders after this beast. And so they worship the beast. Now, how do you worship the beast? By yielding your allegiance to the beast, by submission to the beast, by obeying the beast. And uh, this is why sometimes it's so hard for us to realize, how in the world can these people be deceived to take a mark where they can't buy or sell if they don't take this mark? Who in the world would be so dumb to do something like that? Have you looked at your wallet lately and seen that little card that you got? Because you can't work if you don't have that little card. What's it called? Hmm? Social Security card. Don't you have one? We already have a government where we're required to have a number. Don't everybody have a number? Just about everybody. Now when the kids are born, they automatically give them one. Isn't that wonderful? Is the world already being conditioned? You know, I was over in Israel one year, and this was probably 25 years ago. I now remember looking at the license plates, and it scared me to death. I looked at the license plates, and every one of them started off with 666, 666. But that was a long time ago, but nothing ever came from it. But I believe that the world is being conditioned. 
to accept a world leader. People right now, and even our president at this very moment, it was down in the Everglades. Because we need to get all the nations together on this common enemy, which is greater than ISIS and anything. This is the most desperate thing that we need to solve. It's on the top priority of our list. I mean, and it's pushing toward globalism. Everybody's got to come together. We've got to have a common denominator that pulls all the nations together. And after a while, see, you lose your sovereignty. And America is on the verge of losing its sovereignty. We're not the nation we used to be. I don't like what I see, but I know how God says in the last days, people will be so deceived. I wonder, how can they be so blind? How can they be so blind? Can't they see? Evidently not. And they don't see anything wrong. And so I can see how we can have all these nations come together and, you know, how much better off mankind will be if there's no other governments, there's no other armies, so we, who are you going to fight? So it just makes such good common sense for the be. Now they got all this problem going on with the dollar going up and the dollar going down, and they call it fiat money, and nothing's backed by any silver, nothing backed by any gold, and all we've got is confidence in a piece of paper that could be destroyed tomorrow. And all the assets that everybody thinks they got, they ain't nothing to it. Talking about what China wants to do and what Russia wants to do with their money. And it's all over the... You know what we need? We need a one-world currency. That would solve the problem. But it would just make sense. A one-world government. A one-world religion. See, we've got all these religions in the world. So if we're going to have one-world religion, we might as well have one that... You know, one that if people don't accept it, they can be forced to accept it. I know such a religion. Why don't we just let the religion of it, you know, Christianity and Islam is so much in common. You know, it just goes together like a hand in a glove. It's just we believe the same thing. Did you know there's people right now trying to get Islam established between Muslims? and I mean, they've been doing it. I went to one of their meetings 30 years ago. They call it Kaza back then. And I asked the person, I says, um, who's putting this thing on? Oh, just, just people in general. I says, you're a Muslim, aren't you? Well, this has nothing to do with it. I says, you're a Muslim, aren't you? He says, this has nothing to do with the religion of Islam. I says, are you a Muslim? He said, well, I'm a Muslim, but we're not. I says, and these other speakers? Well, I says, you're deceptive. You're deceptive. And I walked out of the meeting. I thought it was going to be a meeting of something good. It was out there in Denver, Colorado. But what they're doing today, no, it didn't just start. This thing's been going on for a while. Conditioning people how that, you know, there's good Muslims and there's bad Muslims. That's like there's good rattlesnakes and there's bad rattlesnakes. So he says here in this verse, these things are going to happen. It's coming down the line. You and I can see some of these things. Isn't it true that you would hate for any of your relatives or people you know and love to be here during this time? Did you realize that the rapture took place right now? We would be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And people that have never trusted the Lord, this is what they're going to be facing. 
I would recommend talking to them, doing what you can, warning. You can't tell them what day's coming. I can't tell you who the Antichrist is, but I do believe that it's going to happen like the book says. I don't have to worry about all the little details. All I know is that I got, I think I got the big things. I got the big picture. There's a lot of little things I don't need to worry about. But we're living at a very exciting time in human history. And the Lord is coming back before this. That just shows you how close it could be. You say, you've been saying that for 40 years. I know, we're 40 years closer. Look up here. This hand represents you and me, and the wallet represents sin. We all have sin. Everybody does wrong. And God says that he loves us in spite of all of our sins. Did you know it's not just the things that you did? Did you know the Bible says, To him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is. You didn't do it. It's still sin. If you know right, and you don't do right, that's a sin. Not just because you went out here, well, I didn't hang anybody, I didn't, you know, do this, I didn't rob a bank. All of us have sinned against God. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from the Lord. But God loves us and wants us to have eternal life, wants us to go to heaven. But going to heaven, you'd have to be perfect. Nobody's perfect. God says you cannot earn your way to heaven by any good deeds that we've done. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us. He took all the sin of the whole world and paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. And said, if you and I would believe he did it for us, he would put this payment he made to our account, and we get to go to heaven upon what Christ did for us. It is a gift. And I, when I read Ephesians 2, 8, 9, I, I sometimes say the other, but I, I need to emphasize it a little bit more. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is not a gift. It is the gift of God. Not a works list any man should boast. It is the gift of God. It's not something that doesn't have great meaning to it. The gift of God is eternal life. To live with the Lord for all eternity. That's the best news anybody can ever hear. So Christ took our sins, paid for it, came back from the dead and promises whosoever believeth should not perish but have everlasting life. Let's pray, shall we? With head bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around, if you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, why not do that? Why not just talk to the Lord and say, Lord, I got questions, maybe I got a few doubts. You'll never live long enough to have all the answers to all of your questions. But a few things you do know. You're not perfect. And you can't earn eternal life. By your good works. And Christ died on that cross and paid for your sins. And you can believe that. You can believe that. It's a choice. And if you will believe it, he said he would put that payment that he made to your account. You go to heaven on what he did for you. That payment is a payment for all of your sins. Not some of them. Not most of them. All of them. So will you trust him? With head bowed, eyes closed, no one look around. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you forward. But right where you're sitting, say, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior. And preach, I'd like you to pray for me in closing. Anyone at all before we close?
If you're watching by internet, right there on the screen, says, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior, if you will. We'd love to hear from you. Just click it, and that lets us know that somebody out there accepted Christ as their Savior. Father, we thank you so much for being good to us. Thank you so much for the opportunity we have to come together as a body of believers to study your word. But Father, we pray that even though we can understand some of these things, there's a lot that we don't understand. But we do know that it's important to tell people how much you love them. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Is it possible to trust Christ as my Savior without making Him Lord of my life? Is it true that if Christ is not Lord of all, He is not Lord at all? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book. Or write by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Jesus is coming, so keep looking up. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.